G'day and welcome back. Darren Mitchell here and you're about to listen to yet another brand new episode of the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast. You know, one of the great things I love about uh, podcasting, but also workshop facilitation, coaching and mentoring is the ability to speak with people who have different backgrounds, different experiences, but often share very similar principles, very similar values. And uh, just phenomenal people we get to speak to on this particular podcast is, uh, is a privilege. And today is yet another one. I had the privilege of speaking with Mark Carpenter, a man who is on a mission to bring humanity into sales, but also into leadership. He's based in Utah in the States, and he is a master storyteller. So this was a fantastic conversation because we spoke a lot about uh, the power of storytelling when it comes to leadership, but also the power of storytelling when it comes to sales. So if you're looking for ways to increase your influence, whether it be with your team or with external customers and stakeholders, then there's going to be lots and lots of gold in this particular episode. So uh, if you want to know more about Mark and what he's doing, please refer to the show notes. But uh, without further ado, let's get straight into the episode. Welcome to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast with Darren Mitchell. If you're a sales leader looking to take your leadership to a whole new level, then this is the podcast for you. We'll be exploring tips, techniques, and strategies to help you take your leadership to the exceptional level and allow you to enjoy more money, more meaning, and better sales results. Welcome back to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast and a very special welcome to Mr. Mark Carpenter coming all the way from Utah in the United States. How are you, my friend? Darren, and awesome. It's great to be here with you. It's um no, it's great. And we're we've just been talking before you press record, and it, it feels like we're kind of kindred spirits where we're talking about things like Zoom and doing online uh, online workshops and uh reminiscing on some of the challenges with that. But um really looking forward to this conversation, Mark, because um uh I think we're on the same page when it comes to leadership and sales and being human. So uh, just for the listeners' uh, benefit, you are the co-author, I must say co-author, of a fantastic book called Master Storytelling, which we're going to delve into today, but also the owner of Mindset Strategic Leadership. So you've been doing that for a little while. So um, this will be a fabulous conversation. And as we've sort of alluded to before we started, we have no idea where this is going to go. Um, but wherever it happens to go is exactly where it needs to go. So <laughs> and we'll take all your listeners along with us on whatever that path leads us. <laughs> Absolutely. But I guarantee there'll be some key gold nuggets that come out of this conversation because um, we'll make sure we uh, we do that. And if not, it'll be a four-hour episode until we get some. <laughs> I think we can do this in less than four hours. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So, Mark, just for the uh, just for the benefit of the listeners, can you give us a little bit of a background to the Mark Carpenter story, and what you what's led you to be, I guess the I'm gonna I'm gonna frame this by saying the master storyteller. Yeah, it's great when you put that title on your book because then you get the title to yourself as well. You know, just because your name's there in association with it. Well, uh, the the short version of the long story. I spent 20 years in marketing communications and public relations. And of course, that's a lot of telling stories. You're telling the organization's stories to its publics and its various audiences, internal yeah. and external. Um, I transitioned from there into teaching and facilitation. I uh, did some uh, adjunct professor work and at a university and uh, then started doing corporate training and facilitation. 
And one of the key things that I came to was the power of storytelling in teaching and leading and selling and inspiring people to, to action. And I started talking to, to about six years ago, my wife and I were having a conversation about a book. And I said, I want to write a book. And she, I, I said, but I don't know what the topic is. And she's the one that said to me, oh, you got to write a book about how you just take everyday experiences and turn them into stories that teach principles. And I'm like, it's not a book. It's, what are you talking about? That's, that's not a book. It's just what people do. And she goes, no, it's what you do. Yeah. That's what you do. And you do it fairly naturally, but you got to tell other people how to do that. And so I got in touch with my friend, Daryl Harmon. It was just kind of one of those serendipitous things that, that came together with the two of us. And we started talking about it. And so we co-authored the book, Master Storytelling. And we have a workshop that, that goes along with that as well to just be more intentional about taking these everyday slices of life and turning them into stories that teach, lead, sell, and inspire. Yeah, love it. And I love I love the catchphrase that you got there that talks about being on a mission to bring more humanity into leadership and sales because I know my own experience from being in corporate in Australia for 20 odd years, um, there's a lot of, uh, dare I say, a lack of humanity in a lot of corporate organizations and they, you tend to become quite robotic and we were just talking before we press record about an experience you had with with facilitating and how it points to a certain culture of an organization um i love i love the human element of leadership and sales and i think uh, i love your take on this that i think more and more leaders if they can take on a more human approach and become less robotic and less concerned about things like what other people are going to think about them etc etc you can become a little bit more authentic and probably increase your opportunity of getting your message through. Absolutely. And and I don't think it's that we're intentionally not leading like humans. I, I think we just kind of fall into that trap. And I, I think back to when I was made a first time people leader in my career. And I remember I felt like, okay, now I'm a leader. I've got to act like a leader. And so what do I need to share with my team? I need to share with them numbers and I need to give rah-rah speeches and I need to do this. And we start leading like a position rather than like a person. And that doesn't get us where we need to go. And I look back on that and go, that, that was a mistake. It was a mistake of how I was developed as a leader. So that kind of falls on the people above me, but mm. it was a mistake on me to not think about my role as a leader is to lead people. And so I need the people skills to do that. And I think that's where the slip comes in sometimes. When you think about it with sales leadership, who gets promoted to lead the sales team when there's a vacancy? I, I'm going to put this right to you, Darren. It, well, it's typically, well, based on my experience, I'm sure it's the same in the States. It'll be the person who is generating the most sales, who is the best salesperson. They're in the top right-hand quadrant. There you go. Bingo. And so they promote that person to lead the team. Does that mean they have all the right leadership skills just because they were a great salesperson? No, no, not necessarily. Not always. And so what we fail to do is give them people leadership skills when we get them in that position. Instead, we say, okay, here's how to run your budget now. Here's how to manage your, your team's vacation days. Here's how the hiring process and Here's the disciplinary process with all these process things and people will fall back to their education. Mm. They'll fall back to what they know. And if we don't give them people skills, like communicating clearly through storytelling, then they're going to fall back and lead like a position instead of leading like a person. Yeah, it's so true. And, and often we talk about the fact that uh, people, not just salespeople, but people, tend to often be promoted to a higher level of incompetence. Yeah. 
but and and the and often they're not given the transition plan. So an individual contributor might be really good at at selling or being in marketing or being a lawyer or whatever the case might be. But now having responsibility for people in their care, there's a whole different set of skill sets that's required. And you can't just be the same technician and expect that that's going to rub off on your team. There's there's just so many more things you need to be conscious of. Yeah, I I worked twenty or ten years in in software development in the marketing side. But I remember talking to a friend of mine who was in the software development side of the company, and he had just been promoted to lead his team like six weeks before. And I was like, congratulations. And he goes, I hate it. I said, whoa, 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 what, what, what are you talking about? He says, you wanted this position. You applied for this position. He says, I know. It was the only way I could get a raise because I was at the top of my salary range. But I hate leading people because I just wish they'd let me write code. And I was like, oh, my gosh, we just set up this person and his team for failure because we haven't put the person in there who wants to lead like a person. Yeah. And I remember talking to him later and he ran, he'd run into some problems and he says, yeah, I just told the guys, just give me the code. I'm going to write it for you. Cause he's fallen back to what he knows. Yeah. And we'll do that. And again, that's not that we're bad people. It's not that we're intentionally bad leaders. You just fall back to what you know. Yeah. And that leads people to lead like a position rather than a person. It does. And what you'll start to see as a as a senior leader, you'll start to see people who are being promoted into leadership positions who are great technicians who default back to what they do know and not start to um, take on board new skill sets and, and sometimes the uncertainty of those new skill sets. The end result is often the performance starts to drop and then the questions start to get asked about, oh, Mark, we've promoted you into a leadership position. Now we've noticed your results are going down. What's going on? And we start to then commence the performance management process where if we had to taken a step back and ask the question, well, first of all, is Mark the best person to take on this team? Does Mark want to take on this team or is Mark just happy to be a phenomenal individual contributor? Um, yeah, and it's right it's on. an indictment on companies that, that, that allow this to happen. Yeah. And the other effect that happens is you get that person in that leadership position who isn't leading like a, person they're leading like a position and all of a sudden their team members start getting dissatisfied and there's rumblings and there's morale things or you get people leaving yeah you get turnover and yeah. so those are the costs those are the hard dollar costs that start coming up when we don't prepare people to lead with greater humanity absolutely absolutely and i love your take on this because a lot of people think about oh being a human person, hang on, I'm in corporate. I have to act a certain way. I have to be almost like a robot and I have to speak a certain language. What do you mean gonna be? That's 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 weak. That's soft. We've got to, we've got processes to follow, we've got numbers to hit. Um, but here's the thing: my view is that if you can be more human, if you can understand people on a more humane humane level, they will more likely than not increase their level of discretionary effort. You'll start to build higher levels of loyalty, start to build higher levels of trust. And through that process, the numbers will start to ramp up because you've got engagement. Yeah, to totally agree with that. And in today's economy, that old way of I'm the leader, I'm just going to lead with my position and I'm going to tell you what to do and you're going to do it because I have the leader title under an, on my business card there. And, and it shows that I am the leader. So you're going to do what I say. That doesn't work in today's economy and today's um, employment market. 
Yeah. Because people will just leave and say, oh, that's fine. I'll, I'll go, I'll go do something on my own for a while. I'll yeah. drive an Uber. I'll do something else. And, and I don't have to put up with that. People need to know. I think this is one of the things that you're getting to Darren is people need to know not just what to do, but why they're doing it. Mm. And, 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 and this is where storytelling comes in. Yeah. I can tell them, here's the numbers you got to hit, or here's the script you want to use, but I need to understand the why I need the story to help me make sense of what you're asking me to do mm. because then it resonates with me. Yeah. And then to your point, I'm going to give more of my incremental effort and my discretionary effort because I know why and yeah. I can connect that to my personal values. Yeah. Cause at the end of the day, and this might sound really corny, but I don't care. I'm, I'm a corny person. Sometimes we are, we're human beings. We're not human doings. And there are so many organizations that almost like they want to create uh, duplicates or, or, or simply robots. You need to follow this process. This is what you need to do rather than thinking about, and just I had this conversation last week with, with somebody and we're talking about how to motivate their team. And I said, well, first and foremost, you need to stop motivating your team because you're going to create a wedge between them and you. Because if you can't figure out why your team are doing and choosing to do what they do, then you're not going to be the person that is the catalyst for helping them across that threshold. So first and foremost, find out what their intrinsic motivators are. And that starts to develop in them a thought process around why am I doing this? What is my story? What is my backstory? And why should I continue to be interested in doing what I'm doing? So that's that's a fine a fine skill set that leaders need to get better at developing rather than, oh, and I've had to motivate my team. I've got to hit this number and go out and make more phone calls, Mark. Yeah, well, you know, you're, you're thinking about we need to just keep this repetitive process going and kind of the robotic thing. It's a throwback to manufacturing era, era where, yeah, it was. And it was like, and if you don't do this, I, I can replace you in a heartbeat with somebody else is going to come in and robotically do it too. Yeah. Well, guess what? We've got real robots doing those things now. You know, and, and, and so the people are left to the people work for the most part. Yeah. And particularly in sales. Sales is not a robotic thing. Sales is a people business. Yeah. And so to your point, great leaders not only need to be great storytellers, they need to be great story listeners. Mm. Because I want to get, if I'm your leader, I want to get what's your story. That's what's going to get me to what actually does motivate you. What are the drivers for you in, in being here and being in this position? And then I can help you. Not, I, I don't have to motivate you. I can just help you find your own motivation. That's it. That's it. Because you can figure out somebody's why and have them realize what that is. The world's the oyster, right? Yeah. So and, I can and connect that why to what they're doing. Yes. And if you can make that connection between what I'm doing and a why that I already have, the yep. motivation's just going to come. Nice. Nice. So I love to, I love to then uh, tap into uh, storytelling and and it might sound like an obvious question, and I'm I'm not sort of thinking it, it's not necessarily going to be a, a flash of lightning that it suddenly hit you and said, oh, I'm now going to be a storyteller. But when was it in your career or in your life that you realized the power of the story? Was it something that evolved over time or is there a certain event that happened that taught you, you know what, I've got something that most people don't have or don't utilize? Yeah. And, and it's something that I've pretty much done throughout my life. I, I remember kind of well, mid, midway in my career, 
we were having conversation after a, a team meeting. We were just talking about something. And I said, oh, that reminds me of a time. And I told this little story. And this intern on the team looks at me and goes, you have a story for everything, for literally everything? I said, what do you mean? He says, every time something comes up, you've got a story for it. And I was like, yeah, I guess I kind of do. But it wasn't until my wife pointed that out to me that that's something that I do fairly naturally that has great power and has great impact, but that other people don't. That's where I got into creating the book and the workshop was like, I have an opportunity to help other people realize that benefit. And as we were researching for the book, uh, the thing that was really powerful to me was finding all the research about how our brains work mm. when we hear stories and the impact that that has in connecting people as human beings because of the power of story. Yeah. And that was the thing that really jumped out to me. That was maybe my lightning bolt moment of, wow, this is why that works so well. This is why that's so effective. And people need to understand that so that they can tap into the brain science behind why stories are so effective. Yeah. And when you think about that, without going too much into the science, what were some of the key um, realizations that you discovered through that research as to why stories resonate because if you think about it people love to go and watch movies they'll watch netflix and prime amazon prime they'll go to the cinemas and they get engrossed in the story but don't necessarily make the correlation between okay that's pretend but there's so many other opportunities that we can utilize to create the same sort of feeling in what we do day to day yeah and and, and that's the power of story is that transformation where you're telling me your story of your experience, but I'm transforming myself into it. And it becomes as if it's my own. It's part of my own experience when that yeah. happens. There, and this is where I have to edit myself and not get in too geeky on all the different research that's out there. So I'll just bring up a couple of them that I think are really powerful. Uh, Dr. Paul Zak at Claremont Graduate College. He has done research about the chemical reactions that change in your brain when you hear an effective story. And there's three main things that he calls out. That when you hear a story that you can relate to, okay, so you're talking to somebody else who, who's in sales leadership, and they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I've been in that role that, that, that you're, you're in that you're talking to me about. They can relate to that. It increases the oxytocin in the listener's brain. Yeah. And oxytocin is the trust hormone. Mm. And so all of a sudden, there's a level of trust that's increased between the storyteller and the story listener. Now, think about that. As a sales leader... Don't you want to develop trust with your mm. team? And don't you want your team to develop trust with their clients? Yeah. And so storytelling is an impactful way to do that because it increases the oxytocin. The other thing that happens is if you tell a story that has a little bit of a conflict in it, so there's some risk involved there, it heightens people's attention because it gives them a slight increase in cortisol. You get too much cortisol and it stresses you out and, it, and, yeah. it's, and it's bad. But if you've ever been in a near miss while you're driving a car, like you're almost in an accident. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, wow, I just missed that. Do, do you notice how in the next five minutes or so, you are hyper aware of everything that's going on around you? Yeah, absolutely. And so if you can increase a little bit of that risk in the story, their attention level goes up exponentially. Yeah. And then the final thing is, if you tell a story that has a satisfying ending, that teaches a point, that brings a lesson to home for somebody, Again, that they can relate to and they can go, ah, this is what I learned from that. They get an increase in dopamine. And dopamine is that sense that you get when you level up on a video game. 
or you check something off your to-do list or eat a little bit of uh, dark chocolate, <laughs> you get an increase in dopamine. It's that satisfaction type of feeling that you get that you accomplish something. Yeah. So that's what keeps us coming back to story is that it changes the chemistry within our brain. And so if you can tap into the power of story in sales, you can make those connections with the people that you're you're talking to, with your clients and potential clients. And particularly in a leadership position, you can make that connection with your team. Yeah. And that's why our subtitle is about stories that teach, lead, sell, and inspire. It moves mm -hmm. people to action. Yeah. And Mark, as you were talking about that, I'm, I'm thinking in my head, um, hero's journey, right? And yeah. the fact yeah. that in, in sales, effectively what you're doing is you're hopefully putting your customer in their own hero's journey and helping them make the transition from the old world to hopefully the new world, but they might have some trepidation about stepping across that threshold and facing some of the challenges that inevitably they're going to have to face in order to get to the future state. Um, and and storytelling is just the perfect way of doing this. And as we said before, you can go and sit down and watch The Wizard of Oz or go and watch The Matrix and get engrossed in that without necessarily analysing the structure of why that story is such a powerful thing. Which brings me to the next question around... Um, because there might be people listening to this and saying, yeah, I get the concept of storytelling, but hang on, I'm in a corporate environment where we're, we, we're very serious here, Mark. We're a very serious organization. We have a very serious product or service. Storytelling ain't going to work in this organization. Now, to those people, what do you say? Because I love your take on why, why storytelling is not utilized as much as it could be within, within organizations and certainly by leaders. Yeah, and and I hear that. I hear all oh, that's that's too soft. It's it's too light. It's too fluffy. But we're not talking about okay. You have to tell like a, a Pixar movie story, you know, that's going to have all these humor elements in it and things like that. No, what is our life but a series of little stories? I mean, it, it's all of our experiences. And so then it, this again, it's about humanity. Yeah, and it may seem like a soft skill, but it's going to get you hard results because it's making that connection for people and it's just really how we make sense of the world so that that's the other thing i like to say to people is this is how you're going to help make sense of the world of your corporate world for your internal audience for your external yeah. audience you know they're they're constantly we as human beings are constantly asking okay why is this happening what's really going on? what does this mean to me and it's stories that can make those connections a lot of times we think well i'll just share with them the data I mean, the data, it's hard data. This is better. This is going to solve this problem. This is going to do that for you. Data doesn't motivate people. No. People, people buy on emotion and they justify on logic. Yeah. So it's important to have the data. It's important for it to have the logic there. Yeah. But they need to know what's that emotional transformation that I'm going to make because that's going to lead them to action. That's what's going to get them there when they're taking that step forward. Yeah. Because within that, within that word emotion, there's a word called motion. And when you think about it, people will only do things if there's a level of emotion that is involved in that, because otherwise, why should they bother? So I remember, um, and I often use this as an example, JP Morgan used to always talk about the fact that people do things for two reasons only, for the right reasons, but also for the real reasons. And it's a great way of distinguishing between the rational or practical reasons and also the emotional and sometimes the political and cultural reasons as well. Uh, and as a salesperson, we need to be able to tap into 
not just the logic because people, some may actually, based on their personal style, may make decisions purely based on logic, but we've got to be able to create a level of emotion that incites somebody to take some form of hopefully positive action that's going to serve them. Um, and the power of storytelling is a great way to do that, particularly if you put that person in their own story and paint a picture of what the future is going to look like with them in that story. Yeah. And, and a lot of times people say, yeah, make, make the customer the hero of the story. I actually think the hero of the story is the lesson. It, mm. It's the transformation within that story yeah. because they can put themselves into that transformation if it's a relatable story to them. And so this is where it taps into another really human skill that we need to have in sales and sales leadership, which is listening. Because I've got, if I'm going to tell the story in an effective way, I have to listen and really understand what your needs are, mm. because that's going to determine which story I tell and how I tell it so that it's most relatable to you, because that's what's going to tap into those chemical reactions that I just talked about. Yeah. So it's really interesting. And and one of the things now to delve into, Mark, is um, uh, mistakes that people make. Because some people might be listening to this and saying, well, yeah, it's all well and good. I can, I can Where do I find my stories from? But um, what, if I, what if I provide the wrong story? So based on your experience, what are some of the key mistakes that, that leaders make? Because a lot of them might be going from zero storytelling, full logic, now into massive storytelling, all emotion. And they might have people sitting there thinking, what? <laughs> what? So based on your experience, what are some of the key mistakes that people tend to make when when telling stories? Well, I, I think you just identified one right there. You don't want to go from I'm full on logic to I'm full on storytelling overnight. And, and, and you don't really ever want to do that. It's a combination of those things that you're going to want to do. So don't take this as, oh, all I have to do is tell stories all the time. No, 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 no. That's, that's, that's not it. And that leads to the second mistake that I see a lot, which is just not being very intentional about their mm. stories. They'll say, oh, here's a good story I could tell. And they tell the story, but there's no real intention on what's the point you're trying to make here? And what's the action you want at the end of this? Where do you really want this story to go? What, what's the lesson learned here? Mm. And if you don't know what that intent is, if you don't know where you're going with that story, you may spend a lot of time wandering around in the story and then it's way too long and it loses people or you just kind of rush through the points of the experience and it's like okay that was an interesting experience but what does that mean to me yeah what was the and point so i think that is the first and biggest thing is understand and be intentional about what's the point i'm trying to make with this what is the lesson learned here mm. and what do i want people to do with this at the end of the day love it love it and as you're talking, it reminds me of us. And I'm just starting to realize, hey, I, I often provide stories, but I just think they're just experiences, right? So um, this is this is probably the other myth that we want to dispel today, that storytelling doesn't have to be something that's made up. It's actually experiences that you can bring context to a situation where you're trying to pay forward and, and lead and help develop an individual. One of the stories that I tell is when I started to be a, a sales leader, I moved from an individual contributor to a sales leader of the same team. And I thought that the way to build trust with my team was to solve as many problems as I could. So I created an environment where they came to me with all of their problems. And what I'd done over time is built this thing called codependent relationships. 
And the story was that in 90 days, I pretty much nearly burnt out, um, but it also created an environment where they were completely dependent on me and I was very dependent on them. So I tell that story a lot. And the context of that is you need to start to create not so much a gap between you and your team, but you need to almost start as you intend to finish. And so be very intentional on what the environment is that you want to create um, and get people to think for Uh, themselves. And that's a great example of an experience that could be a story to teach multiple lessons. Mm. You know, if it's a new sales leader you're talking to, it might be the lesson of be careful about the relationship you set up. Or are you going to burn yourself out on this? Yeah. But it also could be a lesson around developing your people because you don't develop your people very well if they come to you with every single problem. Mm. You want them to develop by solving some of their own problems. Yeah. So how do you set that up? So there again, it, it goes back to the intentionality that you want to um, tell that story for. So mm-hmm. wh- who am I telling it to? Why am I telling it? And then that may change how you share that experience. And that's where, that's the difference between just sharing an experience and actually telling a story. Yeah. Because you're going to, you're going to craft it and you're going to, you're going to bring certain points in and emphasize those points or leave certain points out that really aren't relevant to the point that you're trying to make depending on who your audience is and what your intent is in sharing yeah. that story. Yeah, so there needs to be a real purpose. Because if you look at any good story, there is a definitive purpose that you want to create or an, in, or an outcome you want to create or a feeling you want to create. Um, and, I'll, and we'll delve into the structure of the story because I want to delve into that with you as well. Um, but you need to have some pre-planning in terms of what is my intention? What is the outcome? How do I want this person to feel? And ultimately, what it is that we want this person to do as a result of this story. Yeah, right on. And you made the point earlier about th- these aren't stories that we make up. I mean, we got a lot of business books where they they have these fables, you know, kind of business fables. Those are great little stories, and I actually enjoy reading some of those. But the kinds that we're going to use in our regular everyday business life to teach, lead, sell, and inspire, they're based on our real experiences. Yeah. Now, they can be based on somebody else's experience, too. In fact, I might just steal the story you just told uh, to make that point about don't create a codependent relationship because it's a great story. It's a great example. I didn't live exactly that, but I can borrow your story Mm. in making that point if I need to. But the fact that it's a real life story is what makes the greatest impact. Yeah. And the key thing there is um, because a lot of people might be listening to this and they might be more of a left brain logical type person and think, well, where do I find these stories? And the fact is there are stories available to you every single day. It's it's what's happening to you. If you just sat and reflected on even the last week, what are the things that actually happened in your environment, both positive and not so positive? Because I guarantee there'll be some fantastic lessons there that you can capture, identify, think about what is the lesson there, and then find opportunities to pay it forward. Yeah. The tip I always give people is as they're looking at their day-to-day life, look for the moments they had an emotional reaction to something. Yeah. And and again, it could be positive, it could be negative, but what was that thing that frustrated you or made you laugh or that inspired you? Whatever that emotional reaction is, there's probably a lesson in there with that. Mm -hmm. I I had an experience a year or so ago, I was driving, I went to the airport and I don't know about you when you go to the airport. I have a place that I park. Yeah. You know, not not a parking spot, but a, but an area where I typically park when I go to the airport. And there was somebody standing there waving me on. They wouldn't let me park in there. They were standing in front of the entrance. 
like, hey, what are we doing? I can see there's parking spots over there. Anyway, I followed and there was somebody else waving me someplace else. Now. And I was getting more and more irritated because now they're taking me way to the back of the parking lot. I'm like, I don't want to be back here. And they waved me into a parking stall. And I got out and I said, why do I have to park back here? They said, oh, well, we're actually just going into fall breaks. This must have been like almost exactly a year ago from where I am now. They said, we're going into fall break. And we know there's a lot of people who haven't been to the airport very often. And so we wanted to give them, make it easier for them to find a spot. Right. I said, well, I don't want to park there. I usually park way up there. And they said, you can go back there. I said, well, <laughs> the guy standing in my way. And he said, just tell him you want to park in there. It's okay. It's like, oh, okay. And and I so I was walking into the airport after that and thinking, okay, that irritated me at first. But what's the lesson? And so the lesson I take away from that is, you know, if you see something that's a problem, just ask somebody. Yeah. Too often we just go on and we're irritated by it. I would have been irritated my entire trip if I'd stayed parked where I was. But by just stopping and asking somebody, it's like, oh, I can fix this problem. Yeah. This is not that big a deal. Yeah. And, and so there's the lesson that was in that. But I had to take that moment to go, what did I learn from that? And I wouldn't have done that if I hadn't thought about that's something I had an emotional reaction to. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And there'll be people that are listening to that and thinking, well, that's just that's just an everyday occurrence, right? What has that got to do with my job? What's that got to do with my sales cycle? What's that got to do with, with working with my team? Well, it probably has everything to do with it if you actually look for what that lesson is because there's a lesson in everything that we experience yeah. if you look for and, it. And, and yeah, and so there's the other side, uh, the other tip that I give to people. First tip, look for things you have an emotional reaction to. And you may capture that, capture that moment, capture that experience. You may not know what the lesson is in the moment, but mm. capture it. Yeah. Because you may need to use it later. Yeah. The flip side of it is, if there is a particular lesson that you need to get across, if there's a particular point that you want to make, start looking for experiences that teach that lesson. Yes. I guarantee you the universe will send it to you. Yes. Because you're attuned to it. Yeah. You're looking for it. I had an experience where I was, I was doing a trainer certification. And one of the requirements was that they needed to tell a story to illustrate the point that they were going to make in their teach back. So I was talking to them about where do you find these stories? And this one lady says, oh, I just make them up. I was like, what, what do you mean you make them up? So well, I have this fictional Uncle Ned and I make all these stories about Uncle Ned doing stupid things. I'm like, do you have an Uncle Ned? She says, no, I just make all this stuff up. <laughs> and I'm like, Dang, how am I going to tell this person that I think that's a bad idea? And somebody else in the class said, I'm not sure that will always come across as authentic. It's like, oh, good. So now we can talk about finding real experience. She was in a panic. She didn't know where to find a story. And she wow. had to do this teach back the next day. That night in her hotel room, she's stressing about it and decides, I'm just going to go walk around the hotel. I just need to clear my mind. She gets on the elevator and she has this interaction with this person on the elevator. She walks off the elevator. That was weird. I don't know why that lady reacted that way. And then she stopped in her tracks and went, wait, that's my story. <laughs> that perfectly makes the point that I'm trying to make tomorrow. And she had her story. She wouldn't have seen that as her story unless she was looking for it. Exactly. So if we're looking for a point to make, you'll find an experience. Yeah. And you may have to ask some other people and get their experiences, but you'll find an experience if you're looking for it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I remember as you were talking there, I was remembering back to when I was doing some coaching accreditation and did all the NLP stuff as well. And, and we were always taught 
the power of storytelling, but it was slightly different in so far as, and, and you might have, um, you might be saying, well, this is exactly the same as what we're talking about. Um, using things like analogies and using metaphors. And sometimes the metaphors would be you're creating a character, but the purpose of there's a very specific point or principle you want to bring to the table. Um, and the story, the storytelling component had a structure to it, but it was always it, it. And they said, Hey, it could be a legitimate experience that you've had, but also it could be an experience that somebody else has had, or it's something it could be something that you make up in your mind, but it's a metaphor that is specifically structured to deliver a certain experience to underline a principle that you want to teach. And so I'd love your take on, on, and particularly for people who don't know where to find stories the power of metaphors, where in the, the case of that ladder you're talking about, where she was creating stuff, um, is there validity in doing that? Or is your experience, there's enough stories available to us on a daily basis that we don't have to tap into, for want of a better term, our imagination and make stuff up? Yeah, and, and I think that metaphors and analogies, there's certainly a, a place for those. But we actually try to push people to that next level to look for those real experiences. And I think just because we have access to so much information and so many other people's stories, I mean, history is a great place to look for great stories to teach a point. Mm. And, and you get a lot of those that come out of just historical situations. And so there's all sorts of places that you can look to find real situations that I don't think we need to, to, to create metaphors and, 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 analogies that are not connected to real things now yeah. we might need to make the connection to here's the experience and here's the learning point from it and sometimes that has to be and so it's like this yeah um but i think that we can base them on real life experiences because life's experiences are so rich mm. and it doesn't necessarily have to be your own experience in order to identify a story so I was, I've been reading the Simon Sinek book, Infinite Game, and he talks a lot about um, lots of different stories to to make points. And one of the one of the stories I was reading last week, which just so happened to come out in a workshop I was doing on the weekend, was the story of Al Malali when he moved from Boeing to Ford Motor Company in 2006, and how he was um, he was criticised and judged for not being a car enthusiast or a car person. Um, but the story there was, you know what, you don't necessarily have to have the background, but there's a lot of context you can bring to any any equation, any environment, and still be a really effective leader. Um, so for the people who might be sitting there listening and saying, well, where do I find these stories from? How can I develop this skill set around, around storytelling? What are some key pieces of, of, I guess, guidance or advice you can give people in terms of starting to build this muscle? And I think it starts with looking for those experiences, you know, and paying attention to them. I, I have a little um, folder in my notes app on my phone and it's called stories for someday. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> stories just, for someday. And, and when, and when something happens that it's like, Ooh, there's, there's some lesson there. I just capture it with a few sentences about the experience that I had yeah. just enough that it'll call it back to my memory. And I may not even know what the point is that I want to make with that story, but I've got it captured. And then when I need a story to illustrate a point, I'll go back and look at that list and say, oh yeah, here's this and this and this and this and this. Now, this is my life. And so I do this all the time and I put stories out on, on LinkedIn all the time. So it, it, it's easy for me to capture those things, but that's a new muscle for a lot of people is just to pay attention to those things. Mm 
And then just remember that it's not about just sharing the experience, but really crafting it into a story. Mm-hmm. We talked about the hero's journey before, which is uh, Joseph Campbell's version is like 18 phases of the hero's journey or something. I can't remember the exact number, but it's a lot of steps. Well, when we teach it, we teach people three steps to telling an effective story. There's an introduction where you set the stage, you make the connection with the people that you're talking to. Yeah, This is what's going to increase the oxytocin. There's the conflict section where it shows that there's some goal that's at risk. There's something that happens that could be going wrong. That's going to increase the cortisol. And then there's the change. Yeah, What change happens or what change could have happened that we failed to meet that if we'd done something different, it would have gone better. So what's that lesson learned there at the end? And that's where the dopamine is going to come in. Mm. And so we just think in those three main phases to, to transition that experience into an effective story. Now, you have to know what that change is at the end you're trying to get to. That goes back yeah. to that intentionality. If I don't know that when I'm starting, I'll start wandering around looking for a point in the story. <laughs> and then it goes on and on and on. And I refer to that as the, not landing the plane. You're just flying around <laughs> just looking, for a, looking for a landing strip to get someplace and hoping something comes up. But if you know where your destination is, that's going to be a fairly straight line story that you can tell in two and a half, three minutes. Hmm. And that's the thing. So the key message there is uh, there are stories everywhere, but it doesn't necessarily have to be your own story. It could be, and look, if we're if we're interested in people and if we're building relationships with people and we're interacting with people, there's there's going to be stories every single day. It could be, there's a story that comes out of your interaction with the coffee barista this morning, right? Who happened to make the best coffee you've ever ever tasted. The interaction was fantastic. You think, okay, that was a great experience, but what caused that experience? You might be now talking to a group of people who are looking to build better engagement with their customers. And there might be something that, that barista did, which at the time you weren't clearly observing or didn't know, but in reflection, it's like, ah, this is what they did. And this is how I felt. Therefore, this is the principle, pay it forward. Because the thing is, yeah. um, people, and you, you kind of alluded to this before we press record, because you're doing that um, that four and a half hour workshop with nobody with their cameras on. <laughs> Having to get through content. Um, content, even though some people think content is king, you need to think about how we bring the content alive. So what is the context? And if you can have a story that enables us to teach principles there is a higher probability of those principles landing and embedding because it now means something to somebody. Right. And, and story gives context. Yeah. That, that, that's what the importance of the story is, is it gives people context. It's how we make sense of the world mm. because it's how we live our lives. We live our lives in just a series of little experiences and stories that we have. Yeah, absolutely. Now, for the sales leaders and salespeople sitting there listening to this and thinking, wow, that's, that's fantastic. Now I'm going to start to create some stories. Uh, what are some guiding principles around, I guess, the use of stories and and probably more around the regularity of using stories? So in a typical, say, I don't know, facilitation, hour-long conversation, whatever the case might be, do you kind of have a rule of thumb in terms of how many stories you pack into a conversation or is it discretion? What's what's your thoughts on that? Yeah. And, and I, don't, I don't have any rule on on this many stories per hour yeah, cool. or, or this many stories per conversation. Yeah. But I think of it this way. When you need people to understand the context, when you need people to understand the why, 
when you're trying to get a point across, story is going to help you to get there. Mm. Um, from a sales perspective, I'll, I'll give you an example. I, I taught master storytelling to a sales team one time, and they were a skeptical group. Okay. And, and they were kind of sharing some of the things you shared earlier. Well, this seems too light. This doesn't seem like it's going to be that helpful. I need to share people with people, figure uh, facts and figures and features and benefits. And I'm like, yeah, share those things, but give them some context on it. Like two weeks later, I got an email from one of them who said, okay, I believe you now. <laughs> that I, I was on the phone today with somebody I'm trying to get on board and they've expressed mild interest, but they keep putting me off. It's not the right time. It's not the right time. Not the right time. And so I asked them, why isn't it the right time? And they shared with me some of their reasons. And I went, oh, this is exactly the kind of thing that this other client of mine faced. And yeah. so I shared their story about how they finally got on board. And when they got on board, the first thing they said was, man, I wish I'd known the impact this was going to have. I would have signed on six months earlier. And she just told them that story. And she did it better than I did because she has all the details. And then the potential client paused for a second and went, you know, write me up a proposal. Let, let's see what we can do with this. Maybe we can work it into this quarter's budget. All of a sudden, they got the context of where they were. And so it's giving people that context mm. and answering the question of why should I move forward? Why should I yeah. do this? Yeah, That's where you're just going to pull a story in. And it doesn't need to be every single time. Like you said, there may be people that you share with them the, the data on your product or service, and they go, yeah, I'm in. Here's the check. And here's my credit card. <laughs> but most people need some context to give them that emotional connection to why they're making that decision. Yeah. Yeah. And as you're talking, it's it's interesting how many salespeople and sales leaders, they drink Let's just be honest. They drink the Kool-Aid of their organization and they believe, hey, we have the best product. We have the best service. So all I have to do is talk about the features of this and customers will be falling all over themselves to want to lean forward and buy my product. Well, it doesn't work like that. And so as sales leaders, if we understand, because what you then shared with that story, that lady shared with you is you don't have to convince anybody of anything. And it's not about your product because your customers are not looking for your product. What they're looking for is, do you have a potential solution to a problem that I either think I have or I know I have? And can you help me solve that problem? Presupposing, of course, that I want to actually solve the problem. So what that person did is she shared, according to Childini's laws of influence, the social proof to say, hey, this is what this customer found. Um, and if that customer you're now talking to can relate to them, then they're more likely to take action because they're not necessarily the first person doing that. But if somebody else has done it, then maybe we might get the same result if we too take action. Um, yeah. Versus what a lot of salespeople do is like, why, do why don't you want to? Why don't you want to head? What, what's stopping you from going ahead right now? And we do convince, 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 which is push sell rather than pull through power of story. And and it goes to right what you said. That's when you feel like you're selling a product or service. You're not selling. A, a solution to a problem mm. and and people they think they're buying products and services they're buying solutions to problems yeah and you're not selling products or services you're selling a solution to the problem and so to help them see the problem that they're trying to solve show them somebody else that had the problem and that your product or service solved it for them mm. that's what's going to help them make that connection 
and give them the context they need to make a decision. So with that, where do you think, based on your, your the work that you do, and I know you work with a lot of sales teams and leadership teams, where do you think storytelling has the most impact? Is it at the beginning of a sales cycle? Is it towards the back end of the sales cycle when we're trying to trying to um, close a deal? Or is it post-sale or is it anywhere? What's what's your experience with that? Yeah, and, and my my grossly generalized answer is yes, anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> it could be anywhere along there. But but I'll but I'll qualify that a little bit by saying you can't really jump into telling the story until you know your audience. Yeah. And not just know your audience generally, but you know the person you talk to and you know what kind of problem they're trying to solve. Yeah. Because I could come in and say, Hey, Darren, I, I got to tell you the story about the problem that this ser- service here is going to solve. And you may go, hey, I don't have that problem. Yeah. I don't yeah. care. And then the story has no impact on you because it didn't have the oxytocin to connect us. Yes. Because you couldn't relate to it. And so you have to at least get to the point where you understand the customer, you understand what their needs are. So you know what problem you're actually trying to address with them. Mm. And then you can make the connection to a, with with a story. Yeah. So the question is, it could be anywhere. The answer is it could be anywhere in the in the sales process. But the key thing is to build that connection, which comes back to being human. Understand, is there a need uh, and is there a potential problem or a known problem that I might be able to help with? And only when I've established that connection do I then think about how do I bring story in to really ramp up the impact and the emotion that that, that customer is going to feel? Yep, right on. Yeah. Love it. Right on. Love it. And, and again, you're right. It, this kind of brings us full circle. It, it is about selling to people, selling like people, and really helping people solve their problems. And th- that's what's going to make the stronger connection. Isn't it interesting when we talk about, you know, sales and, you know, I'm selling this product and I work for this organization and I have this fantastic widget. At the end of the day, when all that is removed, people simply want to do business who they know, who they like, and who they trust. And if they resonate with you and they build and you can build a connection with them, it's a bit of a flippant comment, but it almost doesn't matter as much in terms of the product you have to sell them because if they if there is that connection and it's built on trust, then as long as that product will solve the problem in the customer's eyes, hey, could be the best product in the marketplace or it could not be the best product in the marketplace as long as it actually fulfills, I guess, the need that the customer has. So it comes back to, as you said, full circle. It's all about being a human. And, and you'd mentioned those words, no trust and like. I'll go back to the chemical reactions that, that happen in people's brains when they hear an effective story and they get an increase in oxytocin. Well, suddenly they trust you more. Yeah. It's this really weird thing. One of the other studies that I that I love was they took three groups of graduate students. They gave the first group the information verbally, just data. The second group, they showed them the information in charts and graphs. The third group, they told them a story that connected to the data. And they came back three weeks later and said, all right, how much they tested them? How much of this did you remember? And what's your reaction to it? Yeah. The first two groups, it was almost equal. Statistically, it wasn't even different between the charts and graphs and just verbal. Okay. The group who got it in the story remembered more, remembered it more accurately. And the thing that jumps out to me, they found it more credible. Right. We think that sharing charts and graphs and facts and figures, this makes me credible as a leader and as a, <laughs> and as a sales professional. 
But the thing that they found most credible was the story. Yeah. Because it's connecting to them and their humanity. Love it. Love it. What a, uh, what a great way to wrap up this particular episode. Fantastic storytelling episode. Really appreciate you jumping on Mark. Um, for and the we made it within four hours. Well, we did. And hey, we can keep talking, but uh, I know it's sort of evening time now where you are in Utah. So uh, got to be conscious of time. Um, any final words of wisdom to people listening to this, whether they be a, an individual contributor, salesperson, a sales leader, a director, somebody who's looking for bigger impact within their in their world around storytelling, any last pieces of wisdom you'd like to share with them to help them on their journey? Yeah, and I'll go back to the folks that you talked about early that are a little bit skeptical still. Yeah, and they're thinking, eh, "This is I, I don't I don't get how this is going to work for me." So my last message there is just try it, try it. When you find a point that you need to get across, find a story that'll deliver that and try it, mm. and see what impact that it has. Go back to the story that I told about that sales professional who was trying to get this one person on board. She told the story and it made a difference. That was the turning point for her because she just tried it. Yeah. And so that that's the challenge I want to give to, to the skeptics out there. Give it a try. Give it a try. See what happens. And it's it's not perfect implementation. It's you might you might stumble over your words, you might actually get the story wrong, but it doesn't matter. You're having a crack and you're moving forward. Yeah. And like anything else, the more you do it, the better you'll get at it. Yeah. Absolutely sensational so mark where can people connect with you and most importantly where can i get hold of your book master storytelling master storytelling is available on amazon in all its different formats uh ebook paperback hardback audiobook uh if you get the audiobook you have to listen to the sound of my voice for two hours and 53 minutes (laughs) (laughs) so just just forewarned um and you can also connect with me through our website, master-storytelling.com. You have to have that little dash between master and storytelling. Yeah. Um, or find me on LinkedIn. Look for Mark Carpenter in Sandy, Utah. And uh, there's a lot of Mark Carpenters out there, but I think I'm the only one listed as Sandy, Utah. And this face, for those of you that are, that are seeing the video <laughs> version of it, I am the only Mark Carpenter with this face. I'm also the only one that has master storytelling in the background of my profile. So you can you can know that you've gotten to the right place there. That's and awesome. if you connect with me on LinkedIn, don't hesitate. Message me with any questions you have. Uh, I'd love to talk to you about this. Love it. Love it. And uh, I will put that all that information in the show notes. And uh, we'll make sure we get as many people buying that book as possible and becoming master storytellers themselves. So, Mark, uh, absolute pleasure um, speaking with you. It's uh, We could have kept speaking for hours and maybe we'll have to have a, a follow-up conversation around some specific nuances of storytelling. So, um. Greatly appreciate you being on the podcast, my friend. Sounds great. Thanks, Darren. I loved being here. Loved our conversation. Awesome, mate. Enjoy your evening. Thank you for listening to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast. I trust the information in this episode has been helpful in your journey towards becoming exceptional. And remember, please take the time to rate the show, subscribe to the show so other people can find it. But also, if I can help you, jump on my calendar. Go to leadwithdarren.com. And let's have a conversation about how I can help you along your journey to being exceptional.